Today we are going to be starting a discussion, a study around church government. Um, we're going to start, I've kind of got this split up, at least in my mind, into two separate studies, or not two separate, but kind of two different sections of this. One I want to look at, um, when we examine scripture, I want us to look at the roles that we see uh, identified in scripture for those within the church. Uh, we're going to pay particular attention to two of these um, because when we get into the next section about kind of the forms of church government, which will probably come next week, uh, understanding the different roles that we find within the church I think is going to be important for that discussion more broadly. So I'm going to outline um, kind of the roles. The last one, like, well, is it a role? Is it not a role? Is it just something that you kind of default into? Um, that's debatable. Um, but so that I could kind of encapsulate everyone that we would find within a church, I've kind of added this, this fourth section here. So uh, one, the first thing that we see is the apostle. This is, um, we're not going to go into great detail around the apostle and the and the uh, qualifications of being an apostle. Um, we Suffice it to say that there are no true apostles in the sense that, that we're talking about um, here today um, that you would find in church. Um, someone may call themselves this, or um, they may use it in the looser sense of the word. Um, but... As far as like what, when we consider apostles and someone who has literally had authority um, in penning of, of scripture, like playing roles very similar to uh, prophets in the Old Testament, those, those do not exist. This role is not one that we're looking to have filled within the church today, um, but it's important to mention the apostles because this is the, the literal foundations of the church um, build upon the work that the apostles did um, like when we think about like why there would be none today is that you saw the physically raised Christ, um, Paul being literally the last of these um, on the road uh, to Damascus. Um, so moving on from there, then we find elders, which are also called pastors, overseers, and bishops. So. Um, likely only be using the term elder when I speak about this particular um, position within the church or role or responsibility, um, but when you're looking at scripture, you um, elder, pastor, overseer, bishop, kind of used interchangeably. Um, another role that you'll see mentioned within scripture is that of a deacon. Um, We'll get into that. So elder and deacon are going to be kind of some ideas that we dig into today. We're going to ask ourselves some questions about what are the differences here? What differences do we see in Scripture? Um, and then kind of the fourth um, more general role here is I would just say the local congregation. So we find, we find elders, deacons, um, and then members of a local church um, are kind of the... Um, roles outlined within uh, within scripture here now there is room for discussion here w when we get kind of into the broader discussion around church government around um, roles that typically are necessary within a church 
once it gets to a certain size that are not necessarily um, identified in Scripture, but that are kind of like roles that are more practical in nature for the daily operation of the church. We'll probably talk about that a little bit as well next time. Um, But but for the sake of this study that we're going to be doing, um, I'm wanting to focus on that elder deacon. Um, We get some clear pictures within Scripture related to these. And I wanted to look at those first. So, um, there's going to be kind of this question that probably comes up in in a lot of our minds as we get into this that I want us to to kind of head off at the beginning. That is, what's the role? What's the purpose? What's the function of these... um, these responsibilities, roles that get that get outlined. Like, what is what is it that an elder is supposed to do? What is it that a deacon is supposed to do? Why is it that they're differentiated? What differentiates them? Um, why is that important at all? And then, to a certain extent. And then I feel like I need to address. I need. I need us to, to be thinking about this because of where we find ourselves, particularly in the American church, um, is that when it comes to authority in general, um, the nature and, and our love of freedom more more broadly is that we will find at times it difficult when we come up against these ideas of authority, right? Um, Some people, to to more of an extent, like those that might find themselves more on the rebellious end of that spectrum than those that that perhaps it might be a little easier admitting. But um, when we consider these things, that to be something that's in our mind because we think about... So if you were to look at my notes, as I'm kind of writing down my notes, I had I'd written down function of the elders, literally because like one of the sections in the systematic theology book um, just kind of mentions function. And as I was considering starting with function, um, what's the purpose? What's the thing that they're there to do? Um, I, fa- I found that it was easier to come to those realizations if we start instead with the qualifications and we ask ourselves why it is important that the people who fall into these roles have these particular qualifications. So that's how we're going to start today. We're going to get to function of the qualifications. And I want us to pay very close attention as we look at these qualifications for each of these. So 1 Timothy, we will probably go... 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1 through 7 is going to cover um, the, the uh, elder overseer here. And then um, from 8 down, to, down through 13, uh, we'll see um, deacons. Um, some of these, many of these uh, qualifications are going to be um, very similar between the two. Um, I would go so far as to say when selecting an elder and when selecting and, and so um, when I even my usage of the term there is going to give away some of 
some of my thoughts around church government coming next week. Because um, notice I said in the selecting of um, when when elders and deacons are selected from within a local body, a local church. Um, it is critically important that that we seek to find men who uh, fit these qualifications um, and we'll see why because the proper functioning of a church um, I I do not think can happen apart from the leadership um, of men who who, um, fit this biblical outline and the reason that I think that is is these qualifications point us directly to the purpose of these roles right um, and we'll get into that as we kind of read through this text. So I want you to I want you to keep in mind as we touch on each of these qualifications, these requirements for these individuals. I want you to to likewise say, in, like, think these thoughts in your mind. Why is it important that these elders have this quality about them, right? And it's because of the things that they're going to be doing. The um, the work that they are being called to in these particular um, in these particular roles, um, and like I said just a moment ago, you'll find really only one major difference um, in the qualifications between elders and overseers and those um, who are called to deacons, um, and that being um, the the elders are likewise tasked with being able to rightly divide scripture in a public setting like teaching right Um, next week we'll get more in depth on why I think that that is something that ought to be rightly separated and I will probably point out some things next week that I think as I consider this I consider I'm I'm also considering when when I'm doing this study and as I think about this more generally the way that we operate here okay and there's a there's a particular reason that I think that this distinction is made between elder and deacon where much character traits are going to be similar and then there's this there's this distinction in regards to ability um, and willingness to teach preach the Word of God, um, and one of those is I think that oftentimes, in in I'm going to say here, in, in our church, and I'm going to also go so far as to say in other churches that operate in a similar fashion as to the way that we operate, that what we're going to find is that there are men who could be called to service within a church families by way of those men being called into service in a church that we that that we do not call into that act of service and by serving a form of worship there because not everyone that we would call into a deacon wants to have any responsibility related to teaching tend to do our selecting in in deacons, we almost by default tend to seek out those who would also like perhaps qualify as um, an because the way that we tend to 
to have ourselves structured as far as responsibility go. I think that is a disservice to a church more broadly because I think there are men who might not necessarily see themselves as being called to teach or preach who fit every other qualification without question who could be called into service um, in a way that the body of believers as a whole benefits greatly from uh, from their service. So I'm kind of laying that out there um, in, in some ways maybe muddying the water with, with um, some thoughts that I have um, as I've been digging and considering um, things over the last this is if you if you've not noticed this as well like this is a topic that's not the first time that we will have covered this like this is something that like as we've been going through Titus in um, in the preaching time and I would also say go and re-listen to Dustin's sermon related to these um, related to these topics as well um, uh, that was one of the longer sermons I think so it's quite possible that you could have just like by the nature of being human, phased out towards the end of some of those. So it might be worth um, revisiting those and re-listening to that one. Um, he did an excellent job um, handling that that text there and really looped in a lot of this. So um, this is not the first time that we're covering this. Um, and also, like, consider that we've been on this path since 2018. I looked back at like the first systematic theology uh, lesson that we did, and it was, 20, did I say 16? I meant 18 if I said 16. Um, so 2018 um, was when we started this. Now when we started this, there was, that was years ago. There was, no, there was no way possible to be aligning where we would end here with where we've been in Titus then. Like there's like I would love to say that that as like teachers and preachers that we coordinate that well, but if you know us any at all, you realize that coordination may not necessarily be the strongest like uh, property that we that we have. Um, which means that that, that aligning um, we should not overlook the fact that God has sovereignly aligned those things, right? Um, I have not overlooked it in, in, my, in, in my considering us coming now to this. Um, and and it's, it's really had me thinking, right? So as we, as we dig into this, another thing that I want us to be kind of prayerful about is um, that we would be prayerful in considering what it is that we learn through this and, and that God would guide us in how we might apply that so that as a church we can be more effective. Um, and particularly um, in this division between... Division's not the right word. Um, I don't have a good word. This, these distinctions that we see between um, overseers, um, elders, and deacons, like there, there is going to be a tendency in this discussion as well for us to see hierarchy where there is not hierarchy, okay? And I want us to I want us to guard against that in our minds as well. Like as you hear even like this discussion, oftentimes it is almost seen as though like like 
when you see this distinction made that there's some sense of hierarchy in elders and then under elders deacons, right? To where in some sense that that if you find yourself in that position of being um, called to be a deacon, that it, that you can almost feel in some regards like there's there's at least it has a, a danger here that you feel shorted in some way. And and I want us to guard against that as well. I think that um, scripture is clear in the in the qualities of the people called into these positions and the distinction truly is in one's um, in one's willingness and God God given gifts uh, related to um, teaching and preaching um, more broadly so uh, with that being said um, I'm already behind on my timing here so um, we will probably not wrap all of this up today um, but we'll we'll take a stab at it so let's let's look at this looking at qualifications and then from qualifications let's consider um, why it is that God in his wisdom would outline these things for us so first um, Timothy chapter 3 verse 1 the saying is trustworthy if anyone aspires to the office of overseer so I want us to stop here first and see that this this overseer this elder is something that one would aspire to and as I consider this like that is a high goal for for one to aspire to and we're going to we're going to see that as we get into some of these things. Um, and I will, I will say that I did not realize myself personally that God long ago was placing with my own heart such aspirations. And as a parent, when you see that happening, even as um, your son, I know probably Dad could testify this. You know, you, you, for me, it was like a tremendous moment, like almost a surrender yeah. of my own thoughts towards. Because I know that there's a. When I say high calling, I'm not hierarchy. It's just that it's a call to extreme sacrifice. Yeah. I've seen it. I've lived it with my dad. And been watching, you know, that going on. And a 15-year-old, like, really was younger than that when we saw it. Yeah. Where he would go to school and he would teach with his Bible on and how... And I, and I remember we didn't ever speak it. We, in fact, if anybody ever said it to him, we said, do not. Yeah. Because it had to be a call of God. Could, I, I can't stand to hear people say, he's going to be a preacher someday. Yeah. You know, you might feel it, but you better be on your knees praying yeah. for them. It I, has to be a God thing. And I do think that it is something that, that God calls to. And in that calling, there is like a... 
Like it's something we look to aspire to something is to recognize that like this is not a thing that I necessarily am. It's a thing that I desire to be. Right. And and I will I will say as well that I don't know that it, that it, there's ever a sense with, of which an elder would would feel themselves having arrived, if that makes sense either. I think that this aspiration um, here is something that is likely um, like part of these traits that you would find in 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 one of these individuals is that that aspiration to that calling is going to be like a lifelong aspiration. So if anyone aspires to the office of overseer, if, if anyone aspires to be an elder, he desires a notable task. So this is there's an aspect of aspiration, there's an aspect of desire. I, I think that we all realize and believe that God is the one who shapes our desire. So this is not something that is an empty aspiration or empty desire that these individuals would have, but this is something that God has placed on them um, in their heart in shaping their desires. And He does not seek to do this for every single person, but for some, um, He He shapes and molds the desires of that individual in this way. Verse two. Therefore, an overseer must be above. Reproach. What is what is this? What what do we get? What what things should we be considering when we consider this this person um, aspiring to this um, this office of overseer or, or this uh, idea of of uh, being an elder here? This no this noble task. Um, when we see that the first thing that this person must be is someone who is above reproach. What does that mean? Has anybody got any thoughts, any ideas? Like what is reproach? What does it what does it what does that mean? Like what are the things that come along with that? I think that we should consider this. I, I'm I, Yeah. So so character character's critical. Reputation is oftentimes tied very closely to character because the way you act in the world people see, right? And reputation builds around you. If you are an individual who can very quickly gain criticism for the actions that they take outside, right? Not just within the walls of the church but outside, like if their daily life is one that brings in some way shame upon themselves, their family, the church, this is reproach, yeah, right? Shame. This is something that... No, go I ahead. Say, it's not perfection. No. It's not perfection. When I read that, I, I see it where it's synonymous yeah. with perfection, but it's not perfection. 
Yeah. At the same time. Yeah, I think that's... Yeah, I think that's a very important thing for us to consider here. Uh, is that we will find no one in Scripture apart from Christ who is without sin, without fault. Um, but this above, this idea of above reproach is not that they are perfect. We all ought to understand that they're not perfect. And even in like, we're going to see this as we dig into to more of the uh, character traits, qualities, or qualifications of, of these uh, offices. Uh, we're going to see this more and more that, that it's not perfection, but there is a desire towards perfection. Right. right? And this is not like in the negative sense that we might assign a perfectionist that nothing's ever good enough for a perfectionist. This is not in, in that sense, but this is in the sense that this individual who's not perfect desires and like holding their view, their gaze fixed on Christ, desires those promises that He's laid out, that there will be a day that we are made perfect in Him. Right? There will be a day where the very presence of sin is separated for us. And this individual seeks after it. And this is a good this is a good time for us to kind of pause and say the reason that this is a good trait for these elders to have is part of the part of the responsibilities of elders in a sense is to is to be heading in that direction that others ought to follow after. Right? To be setting that example that is an example worthy of following. And and when they when they lead, that leadership is a leadership by way of doing. That is a leadership by way of practicing what one preaches. Right? I want us to consider. I want us to consider this idea, especially when we start start moving into next week, um, when we start looking at like these uh, ways that we see churches organized and way that we ways that we see them functioning. Um, this is an important thing to bring out, especially like here in the kind of early stages of this, in regards to reproach, is that there are certain forms, there are certain ways that we could organize ourselves within a body of believers that we establish that I'm going to say this is a this is in a single elder type situation to where we put that elder in such a position as though they must be perfect in all things to all people and that weight that weight has a way of distancing the person in that position from 
the realness that we would hope to see amongst one another. Yeah. That they that that there's a level of expectation of perfection established on that one mm-hmm. in isolation um, that is dangerous for that individual. And this is why I'm going to try to make the case um, in the coming weeks that I think the case is made in in scripture. There, when we get there, we'll see that. There, are, there is a freedom and flexibility in the way that churches organize, um, but I think that we ought to pay very close attention to the way that the early church established itself. I think there are some safeguards that are, that are like practical safeguards in that, um, that you will not find, it, is, it, it should not be strange to us that you will not find a single church in the New Testament that operates in the way that most churches operate today in regards to single eldership, single leadership. And I believe because part of that, like, part of the reason that you see a multiplicity of elders within the early churches is that natural inbuilt accountability amongst one another, right? So like your lead pastor cannot find himself ever in a position of feeling as though he must live up to this perfect standard of Christ because he finds himself amongst brothers that will call him on his faults. Right? So that the church can then know and trust that 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 brotherhood of elders is calling one another to task. That they are not letting small things become big things. That they are seeking and working for one another's well-being maturity in the faith, though there might be a single man that stands up in the pulpit on Sunday, that that single man is guarded by brothers that have been called out from within the church. And we'll, we'll get to that next time. And that they hold one another to this standard. Right? They hold one another to this standard. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach the husband of one wife. Now, um, we ought to pay attention that not every um, great man in Scripture was married. Um, Christ is the lead example of this. Um, Paul himself calls men to singleness for the sake of the Gospel. Um, So when we look at this husband of one wife text here. This is again a quality that we ought to see um, in the person aspiring to this position. Um, So we get above reproach. We get husband of one wife. Um, We're going to see a lot of things that like as we dig into these quality traits shows a sense of stability, shows a sense of maturity, shows a a sense of like not necessarily having it all together, but working towards striving for uh, something honorable. Um, And when we look at this, when we see this above approach and then husband of one wife, um, I think specifically when we consider pastoral positions where someone is in a position where they are pastoring um, some number of individuals that a husband's marriage and stability of that marriage can be a leading indicator of that individual's ability to faithfully serve in his church. Um, the truth is, is that if my wife doesn't respect me as I stand here and speak, then what am I even doing? 
right? Like, if, that's a, like, y'all know me to some extent. She knows me when I'm never on guard, right? She knows me when I'm like the truest me that I could be. Not the like buttoned up, got the podcast going so everybody's going to hear this that listens and I got to keep it in line. Like she knows when it's no one else around, right? So like husband of one wife, like that, that connection there, she ought to be keeping me grounded. She ought to be calling out to me. So like the ability, let's, let's say that you, that you have two different extremes. One, you have uh, uh, someone seeking this position and um, he has a wife, he has children, and he's, he's managing his uh, household well. And on the other hand, you have a man who um, you know the rumors that come with him, right? You know the dude's body count is above 100. You know that he's known as a ladies' man. He's never been able to stay together. How many of you want him visiting your wife? How many? How many? How many of you would find yourselves being trustworthy of such an individual? But if you know, if, if this elder is from within the church and the church knows him, the church knows his wife, and, and they see these, you see the interactions between me and Adrian, you know Adrian, you've communicated with Adrian. Adrian's, y'all have lived in, in such a way that like, you've been in a moment with her where her guard was down. And she's communicated with you about me. Right? Or she's talked to you about our relationship. You would, you would know. You would be able to get glimpses into. Right? You'd be able to peek behind the curtain in some regard. To, is this guy fake? Is this guy putting on a show? Is this guy this, that, or the other? Right? So like that husband of one wife, there's a sense here to where we're thinking about those who would seek a position of oversight within the church, and there's a wisdom there. That, this, that you can see into this man by way of his relationships, right? Um, first and primary here being the husband of one wife, right? Um, sober-minded. This is not a drunkard, not someone that every time you see him, he's acting a fool and he's out of his mind because he's on some type of chemical. Right? This is someone who thinks clearly, who thinks rationally, whose emotions don't jump forward before their mind thinks about these things. This is someone sober-minded. When you talk with them, when you speak with them, this is not saying that they might not have their quirks. Right? This is not saying that you, there might not be some... Like you talk to them one-on-one and there's some weird trait about them. Right? But generally when you... When you speak with this person, you get the sense that this person is who they say they are, is speaking from their heart, speaking from their mind, taking Scripture into consideration in the conversations that you're having with them. Sober-minded. Right? Self-controlled. What are, and again, we're, we're going to... I'm going to... Call, the, call time on this one here in just a second, and we'll get back to this um, more quickly next time, hopefully. 
Um, I'll try to jump straight into the to the text next next Sunday so that we can make a little bit better uh, progress through it. Um, so sober-minded, self-controlled. When we consider these uh, these traits, this person is going to be they're aspiring for a position to where the things that they say, the things that they think, affect the way that other people act affect the way that the direction that other people's lives will take. So it's important that they think that they are sober-minded, that they are self-controlled, that they don't just fly off the handle, that they aren't just quick to go into this thing or that thing, that when you think about the life that this individual lives, that you don't think of a life that is out of control. Now, I want to point out here that what I'm not saying is that everything is going right in this person's life, okay? Because a lot of times we can't see how self-controlled and sober-minded an individual is until the wheels fall off in life. And then you see, how does that person handle this situation, right? So when we think about being self-controlled, this is not that this individual has everything together and that things are going perfectly, but that you can examine when things are not going appropriately, when things are not going as they anticipated. You can see that self-control shining through there. Respectable. What do you think about this person? What do other people think about this person? Now, I'm not one to hold others' opinions of me in high regard, okay? Um, I imagine that most of us, maybe some more than others, but uh, certainly a good solid chunk at times, um, don't care necessarily what others think about us, okay? Um, there is a sense in which I consider your considerations of me very, very high in the back of my mind, right? There are things that like... Like, it's a, it's a, yeah. Likely you love people, you care how they feel. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's what sets them apart. Yeah. Um, it's not uh, caring what people think about everything. Everybody's not going to like you. Everybody's not going to, you know, like yeah. your style or whatever yeah. you do. But you care about the those crucial things. Yeah. Like, how I make that person feel in my presence. Yeah. How I make it, you know, it's the things that are important. Growing up as a pastor's situation yeah. of being the only in that model of this one man leading everything, it was terrible. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we'll, I feel for anybody. Yeah. I, I mean, it, I, I don't. I look back on it and I'm like that. I wonder what my life would been, have been like had I not been in that model. I don't want to not be a pastor's yeah. kid. I yeah. learned so much 
and what not to think and it's, it's a part of my gospel story yeah. but still like looking at this what a difference it makes when men mentor men yeah. I want us to consider this when it comes to the this individual being respectable it doesn't matter like we all know the difference between someone saying things at someone that are not true and someone saying things about someone that get at the character of that individual. When things are said about me that get at the true character of me, those are things that I concern myself very, very much with. Um, those are things that we all ought to consider because... It's one thing if you look at a particular aspect of me and you don't know that aspect well and you think strangely of it. It's a whole other thing if it speaks to who I am in my walk, truly, right? And when we speak about like this individual being respectable, this is not a single individual's opinion of them or your opinion of them in this one particular moment, but this is like the weight of who that individual is in the life that they live, that they, they're not seeking your approval, right? They're not seeking that you like give them a thumbs up on everything that, that you do, that they do, but at the end of the day, that the opinion of others of that individual would say that that individual, I may not agree with what he did there, but I will without question err on the side of he's doing it for God's glory. Right? Like if you question that about me, if, you, if that's questioned about you as an individual, those are things that should concern us. Right? If you think that I preach too long, deal with it. <laughs> that's one of those that's one of those elements where it's like yeah if y'all had any clue about how many hours it takes diving into one of these things you would realize why i don't care that it's you know uh, we're two minutes over <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> there are there. Yeah. And that is the that is the that is the where this is driving towards, right? When we look at this person who's aspiring for this office of overseer, the thing that should not be a question in our minds about that individual, whether we agree with their decisions or not should be that we respect the direction that they're going because it speaks to the character of that person. This is going to be critically important when we get into like, like as this person's leading a church, like there will be times where we find ourselves looking at that individual and saying, I would do it differently than they would. But if we respect that person, then we'll give space that we might be wrong in that, right? We'll give space there. And that's how you can kind of see, like, is this person respectable? Like, do people tend to give space in that when they disagree, right? Um, so next time we'll get into uh, these other attributes. Uh, we'll start off next time uh, with hospitability or being hospitable. This is something that's critically important that we should 
uh, take into consideration, and we'll, we'll jump into that next time.